This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to a special edition of the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and uh, as you all know uh, and love, I hope, uh, occasionally we uh, we do an interview with a Chelsea author. Uh, quite uh, usually, you will not be surprised to learn when they've got a newish book out, and uh, <laughs> all of this is true today. In fact, actually, um, it, it's a welcome back. Uh, is it is it Fitzsimon or Fitzsimon, Neil? Uh, Fitzsimon. Fitzsimon. So welcome back yeah. to Neil Fitzsimon. Who, of course, we spoke to uh, when he wrote uh, an excellent book uh, on the uh, the Eddie McCready years called A Deeper Shade of Blue. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, this book, his new book, Rebirth of the Blues, uh, The Rise of Chelsea Football Club in the mid-1980s, literally picks up where that uh, previous book left off, doesn't it, Neil? And by the way, good <laughs> yeah. to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah, Um I, I think I left a clue in the last book, The Deeper Shade of Blue, but that's another story right on the last page, you know, like a, a supposed cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, so you've, was... na- you've now got me rushing to have a look, as buggered if I can remember, but uh, let me just have no. a look. Literally on the last page. Yes, here we are. Yes, I shall read it, just for those who are interested. After Eddie Mac's departure, we spent five long years in the wilderness until the emergence of John Neal's Blue and White Army led us back to the top flight. But that, as they say... Is another story. Well, you're not wrong, are you? Because here is the no. next next instalment of that story, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, writing it, uh, uh, the latest book, was a bit weird, really, because I was getting more and more depressed as I was writing it. Because I mean, to be quite honest, it was quite bleak, and it brought. That's the thing with writing something like that. You're just right, re, re, rehashing and reliving the past. Oh God, it was it was a dreadful time uh, to support the club, but. Um, I think one that everyone who went through it looks back with a lot with the badge of honour now, to be quite honest, that we that we were there. Well, indeed. I mean, I mean, there's. I mean, goodness me, where do we start? I mean, it's arguably arguably one of the most fascinating periods in Chelsea's history. Just just to yeah. uh, for the for, for avoidance of doubt, uh, Neil's book covers 
1977, the summer of, all the way up to really the end of uh, the 1983-84 season. And yeah. it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you you know all of you know my, lot of my chums have just done this, come along and sing this songbook, which oh, fo- yeah, yeah, it, it focuses purely and simply on the eighty three eighty four season, which of course is when we came yeah. back when we got promoted from the second division as champions. Yeah, but um, your starts earlier. Your starts, as I said, literally after um, dear Eddie Mac goes for the want of a car, and then mm. we're launched into uh, the the season with uh, Ken Shalito. As as the yeah. boss, and of course, I just just this, this the irony. I love it, don't you? The, the history always repeats, doesn't it? In a way, we've just had the worst season we've had, yeah, uh, for easily thirty years, haven't we? And oh, uh, yeah, one stat that really struck me. I mentioned this on the fan cast last night, funnily enough. But one st- a stat that struck me was we've lost we've we've lost more times this season, lost more games this season than any other season uh, since nineteen seventy eight seventy nine. <laughs> and, and 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 I said it's interesting, isn't it? Because this period that you're covering in the book is yeah. basically the period where, when people say, "Where were you when you were shit?" This is yes. what we're talking about, isn't it? That that's right. Yeah, I mean, the the first season uh, when when Eddie Mack left, uh, I, I I thought the heart had been ripped out of the club, um, and we, we were a little bit fortunate in a way to to stay up that first season back. We just about managed to stay up. I remember we got a 6-0 hammering at Everton towards the end of the season. But um, I, I honestly thought the game was up at the end of that season. I thought if we if we you know can't strengthen the side, then we've had it. Um, and I was proved right. I mean, there was there was no money around at all. I think the, the, the big signing we made was Duncan McKenzie, and he wasn't really the type to get you out of a relegation fight. Good, good at he? jumping over minis, but other than that... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and throwing a golf ball as well yeah, was yeah. that you could do from one, one end of the pitch. Yeah, so I mean, seventy eight, seventy nine is just uh, well, it was awful. But to be quite honest, I would say last season was even worse because you know we weren't spending six hundred million pounds on players then. I mean, we had, you know we had what what were there and we had to work with it. But um, it was a depressing time. I mean, it was just every Saturday I was having. The Mickey taken out of me when I went to the pub. I just got so like, you know, fed up with it. Um, I think I mentioned in the book that there was one Saturday when our game was called off against Nottingham Forest because of an icy pitch, and I actually looked forward to going out that Saturday night because I knew I wouldn't be the butt of all the jokes <laughs> again. But even though the rearranged fixture a few weeks later, we lost six nil, so it was just a temporary reprieve, really. I mean, you know, I, I mean, it would be easy to say, wouldn't it, that. Uh... That the seventy eight seventy nine season was 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 arguably the bleakest because we we got relegated. Yeah. We were twenty second. It was horrendous. Yeah. But I I think you know se- several of those seasons up to eighty three, I think give it a close run. I mean, you could say that eighty two eighty three was our 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 bleakest season. We finished. I mean, we only avoided relegation thanks to Clive Walker's goal against Bolton. Really, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. I think we did. We about two points away yeah. from the drop. I think we were in the yeah. end. And I remember the last home game against Middlesbrough, which was just like a sense of relief that we weren't going down. But I, you know, to be quite honest, I I didn't even really think about us going down until it was about February March time, and all of a sudden it became apparent that we were in a tailspin that we you know like we weren't going to get out of. Yeah, but that was uh, I, I mentioned that in the book that Saturday. I never went to Bolt. Bolton but I listened for updates on the radio it was just horrific that Saturday mm. um, 
And I think like a lot of Chelsea supporters when that final whistle blew against Middlesbrough, there was no way that I thought we'd go up as cha- champions the following season. But it soon became apparent that uh, Mr Bates was up to something when all these like largely unknown players started arriving, like you know, like uh, uh, over the weeks, you know, over the summer weeks. And, uh, you know, what it turned out to be was unbelievable. Oh. Arguably the best bit of business the club have ever done, I would say. Oh, I think it pound is. Pound for pound. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get out of that, you know, you get, uh, I mean, you know, uh, well, I mean, arguably Pat and uh, Kerry, bona fide legends at the club. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, if you think about what they achieved and the service that they gave. Spackers was great. Jay McLaughlin, hugely yeah. underrated. Eddie, yeah. Eddie, one of the best goalkeepers we've ever had, cruelly robbed of a career, of course, later on. Yeah, um, you know, so it was, uh, it was, it packed a punch, didn't it? And of course, I think the lovely thing about that that everybody forgets is that, of course, we brought John Hollins back and Alan Hudson back that season as well, although uh, Huddy didn't really play, and uh, Hollins went on to manage us. So it was, yeah, yeah interesting I, summer, wasn't it? It was, yeah, because I think, um, I think John Hollins was like in the first up to about Christmas time, wasn't it? Uh, beginning of the new year, he was, he was playing at. Uh, he was playing right? right back, didn't he? Right back, and then Colin Lee took over, didn't That's he? Right. Yeah. In about January of that year. Um, yeah, but I mean, honestly, you know, Pat Nevin. I, I can remember reading it in the paper, thinking, "Who the hell's Pat Nevin? Not, was it ninety thousand pounds or something on a teenager?" But um, uh, yeah, I mean, because he didn't start off the season, did he? No. Clive Walker until he got that broken jaw, I think. And then he, he, he I went to that, the Middlesbrough game, which was one of the worst games at home that season, a goalless draw. I think Walker got injured. Did, was it in that game he got injured? And then Nevin came in and that was it. Um, do you know what? Let's have a look, you see. Because by the, the, the wonders of modern technology uh, and cheating, basically, uh, Bounder, <laughs> Bounder Frydale comes to the rescue. Oh, Final yeah, appearance, Clive Walker, spot on. There you go, 24th uh, of September 1983, and it was nil-nil. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Middlesbrough were, like, were awful. They just absolutely just packed the defence out. And I think the following week we lost to Sheffield Wednesday and I, was, I thought, well, here we go. Oh, no, no, it was the week before, wasn't it, we lost to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. A bit of an anorak about that season. Um, and then, well, because well, I was in um, Corfu during that and we beat Huddersfield, I remember that. And then I went to the Fulham game when I came back on the Saturday. Which yeah. Is, Sorry, go on, mate, go on. Which has become an iconic game now, isn't it? Like the Fulham game. That was unbelievable. All four sides of the ground were just packed with Chelsea. Well, if if you think about it, and, and I mean, a lot of us have been doing a lot of thinking about it uh, because mm. there's been so much in the news recently with all the boys that are doing the Come Along and Sing This Songbook. But yeah, I, I, there are very few seasons that I can think of that have so many memorable, iconic matches. The Derby at home match. The black, uh, the Brighton yeah. away match. Um, yeah, just whizzing down the Fulham away match, the five three, which was nuts, wasn't it? Oh uh, yeah. Newcastle at home with Pat's run. Oh yeah, that um, was great. And you, you know, the, just all Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury away for all sorts of bizarre reasons. The Portsmouth yeah. uh, match as well. The missed penalties in that season. Oh, Always, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then right in that that back end, that that run that we went on uh, to to basically make sure we won the title. The Cardiff yeah. away. When we drew three all, I think arguably, <laughs> arguably that seals the season, doesn't it? Because we came back and yeah. mental. Uh, yeah. Portsmouth away, Leeds at home, City away, Barnsley at home, which everybody forgets, and then Grimsby away, of course, the famous match yeah. up there. So I mean, it, it, it all, so many iconic matches from that season, weren't there? Oh yeah, I mean, I remember the Barnsley game. Uh, I think they, they, the ball was delivered by a parachute. 
that day. <laughs> I, I believe, pa- yeah, I believe you're right, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the announcer coming on when it was, I think it was one all, Barnsley equal. I think they were even down to 10 men, Barnsley. And the announcer came on and said that Sheffield Wednesday is still only drawing with Man City at Hillsborough. And the whole crowd got behind him and Pat got two goals in the last 15 minutes and three uh, one, and then it was all down to the Grimsby. But I mean, you know, we deserve to win that championship. We were the footballing side. I, I, I loathed Sheffield Wednesday, to be quite honest. You know, they looked like a load of thugs. Well, they were, and they just they? Like, they, they just battered the ball. Well, these, the, the joke was, wasn't it, that the ball was taken off on the stretcher afterwards <laughs> because the way, they, the way they battered it from one end of the pitch to the other. Oh, very, very true. I mean, yeah. look, as was apparent when I went to this thing on Saturday night, not that I needed reminding, but I, arguably that side, that 83-84 championship winning side was mm. probably one of the most loved sides We've had, and I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because you end, end this book with that side. You ended uh, the previous book, A Deeper Shade of Blue, with the Eddie Mack side, yeah. and, and who were equally well-loved for very different reasons. Because, of course, they'd all, really, yeah. most of them come up from, from the youth. Uh, Eddie had promoted the youth. They were hugely loved. It's a, it's a very interesting bookmark, I think, in, in that context. And, 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 you know, going from the sublime through the ridiculous and then back to the sublime again. Because the other yeah. thing is that I think there's a lovely comparison to be made here is the football that was played. Because Eddie's side yeah. played beautiful football. This they John did. Neal side played beautiful attacking football, didn't they? Well, they did, yeah. I'll describe it in the book as being like quick quick silver, mm. uh, the, way they, the, the way they moved the ball, which... Uh, Stands out even more starkly, uh, like in today's modern game, with the passing from side to side, and it's just—I I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know. It's because of, I'm of a certain vintage, but it just bores me silly. I just—I I can't understand it. The art of being able to take somebody on and actually beat them. I mean, I think we lost that when Hazard left through the door, and we've never replaced it. Yeah, but it was great. I mean, to see players like that, and they played with a bit of you know, like spirit and, you know, and flair. Um, and I would say that that side, I'd say, because uh, I'm older than you, the 69, 70, 76, 77, 83, 84, my three favourite sides. Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a great game to play that one, isn't it? I mean, and I, yeah. think, I, think, I think largely, you know, I, I always have this argument with Jonathan Kidd, of course, who's a lot older than me. He won't thank me for saying that, but... <laughs> you know, he, he, he you know, because he, he saw Jimmy Greaves play, which is always my biggest regret of being a Chelsea yeah. fan. I never saw Jimmy play. But, of course, yeah. he was in his, I think he would have been about, I don't know, maybe 20 uh, in 1970. So, you know, he's, he was right. he was more, more he, was, he was there at the cup final. I yeah. never had that opportunity. I was way too young. But, you know, again, you know, when the Eddie Mack, uh, you know, uh, book came out, um so many people love that because they were all about 17, 18 at the, at the time. So they're very similar age to the yeah. players. And I think this this side, the 83, 84 side, is the next generation. So I, I was, uh, let me just think, I was 18 in 83. So that's right. the perfect age. Now, how, how, old, how old were you in 77? Uh, 77, I was 22. Right. So again, you know, you were, you were a little bit older than me, but yeah. almost like the, the, the perfect age. Yeah. Uh, to, to go and follow yeah. your side, really. So you'd have been about, what, 30 by the time uh, 83 comes around? Uh, yeah, 28. 28, yeah. 27, 28. 27, yeah. 28. 
Yeah, um, Matt's uh, is not my strong point, Neil, as you can probably no, tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I went to both the finals in '70, uh, the the Wembley one and the Old Trafford. I wrote about that in the first book. I was lucky enough to get a, a ticket for the replay because my dad worked with Victor Railton's sister, and he was a, a a writer for the Evening News for the Evening Standard. So he used to get tickets for cup finals. So that's how me and my sister got to the the second game. Um, yeah, I, going back to Jimmy Greaves, I actually uh, I I actually saw him play for Spurs against Chelsea and for West Ham against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, you would have. Yeah, but yeah. he was. That, he was coming like to the end of it. Well, I think with West Ham, it was a bit of a disaster for him. There, yeah. it didn't last very long because uh, I think him and Bobby Moore were like very active down the pub, weren't they, with their yes. mates and everything, and it, yes. all, and it and it all went, in, you know, turned into dust. It yeah, I, 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 I'd say that yeah, those three sides, I think, are the ones that identify. Even though I mean, the success we've had since that in the last 20 years has been unparalleled they're, they're still the ones closest to my heart i would say but i think this is the point isn't it that that i think you, you have a very different attachment to you know yeah. certain size depending on how old you are yeah uh, i mean uh, you know i i love I, I mean you know the 2005 to 7 side i, I absolutely adore but in a different way yeah. than i would have done had i been 18 or 24 you know so I, yeah. I, think, I think it does make you know a huge difference, and I and I, I, yeah. I think I think the point I'm making very badly here, Neil, is that you know between the ages of say like eighteen and thirty, you're going to be the same age as a lot of those players, so you actually yeah. identify with them a lot more. When you're in your fifties, yeah. you, you 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 I mean like we we were joking, weren't we, uh, before we went on air that the current yeah. side is arguably one of the most hated sides I can remember. Yeah. And, and and that's yeah. because I'm old enough to be their dad. So I probably have this kind yeah. of paternal, you're just not good enough kind of view. You know, whereas, you know, if I was their age, I might have a very different view. But uh, yeah, 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 I, I think that's right. Yeah, it's just, I don't think that they have that bond now with the supporters that they did uh, years ago. Um, I mean, when I used to go to some of the away games back in the early 70s, the players were on the, you know, they, they were like, at the station there or something and you could like chat to them i remember being at um st pancras when we went up to derby in 72 and i was like you know like talking to eddie mccready and oscar was there and hudson all in their club suits and everything it seemed like they were more part of you than what it is today and you know i'm I'm sick of the sight of seeing players come in with headphones on before the game listening to their music and i just i don't know there's the odd exception i mean as you said about the 2005 seven period we had players then, like John Terry and everything, that loved the club, but I don't know if that really exists so much now, to be quite well, honest. I think I think it may have gone, and it's about to be expunged forever if they get rid of a lot yeah. of the academy players, which is what they're yeah. rumoured to be doing. But there you go. Yeah. Right, we've been talking, uh, reminiscing really beautifully about uh, teams that we love and sides that we love, yeah. but we need to go back to, to where your book starts, really, which is, uh, you know, 77, 78, where yeah. it all starts going wrong. And as I think yeah. I said earlier on, didn't I? I said it's arguably one of the most interesting periods of the club's history because having had a chance of, of, of getting all the glory back with Eddie, I mean, as I said, for the want of a car, he gets fired. Then we bring Ken Shalito. Then we get arguably, I think Frank the Tank had a day in charge, didn't he? And then da- then Danny Blanchflower comes in. Who is with <laughs> oh, that was unbelievable. And I mean, again, Danny Blanchflower was getting mentions recently because people were saying, oh, Graham Potter's the worst manager of Chelsea. And everybody's got of a certain age saying, no, he wasn't. It's Danny no, Blanchflower because he was but, hopeless, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, apparently he took no interest in the training. I think, uh, I think in Tim Roll's book, uh, 
I read about that. Um, they said that in the mornings he'd, he'd turn up for training, then disappear about half an hour later in his car to go to the golf course. You know, it, it, it was farcical, didn't, wasn't didn't it? Didn't he have him training with, without a football? I mean, literally. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I you know, again, I was too young to really remember Danny Blanchfield, but from all accounts, I mean, he was the Spurs double-winning captain, wasn't yeah, he? Great he's player football in his day. Yeah, great Yeah, and I, I don't think, you know, I, I never actually saw him play or anything like that, but as a manager, I mean, I think he'd been working in journalism. He came straight from, like, you know, yeah. working as a journalist and, into managing a, a football club or mismanaging it. It was, uh, I, I, but still, I look back on those days with a bit of affection because, I mean, if you didn't laugh, you'd just like, you know, you'd cry bitterly all the time. It was just, I, I couldn't quite, when the decline started, because I started going to Chelsea in 68, um, and we were a successful side. You know, we'd, we'd won those two cups in the consecutive years. And I couldn't, when the decline started, I, I couldn't equate it of being the same, the same club that I supported when I first started because we were like one of the most glamorous teams in the country. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we, I just used to go there and watch, you know, basically a lot of journeyman players like struggle each week. And it was hard to equate them with Charlie Cook, Alan Hudson, Osgood and Hutchinson, all that. I just... I couldn't quite believe it. But as I say now, I look back on it as I to say, you know, I think, as I said before, I think all of us who were there uh, were as a badge of honour that we were actually there in those days. Well, indeed. And it, and it wasn't it wasn't just that, was it? Because I, th- I think, you know, three other things come into this and actually you, 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 you weave this into the book, I think, really clearly. Yeah. You know, the club are absolutely in financial ruin because of course they've had all you know they built the built built the east stand run out of money then you had the oil yeah. crisis so it's all financially the economy's tanking chelsea as a football club financially are tanking which is actually in some way related to their lack of success on the pitch because they couldn't really buy any decent players no. um you've also got this is probably the the height of hooliganism between you know 76 probably 84 yeah is you could you could argue that that's the height of hooliganism so it was yeah. dangerous going to the football, and this is all set against the backdrop of what's happening in the company in the country. And I think the two relate because, uh, of course, Thatcher gets in in seventy nine, doesn't she? And uh, yeah, yeah, the the country was. I mean, I don't know about you. But you're a bit older than me, as you've already said. But I mean, I, I remember it. I was what I was eighty sixteen in eighty one. Uh, yeah. just becoming politically aware, just beginning to go out and have yeah. fun. You got punk, which I loved, and all of that. But I always remember that period for about well, that decade really is incredibly violent. Whatever yeah, you did, whether it was football, music, whatever, there was a threat of violence in the air all the time. It yeah. was it was a terrible time if you think about it. It was, yeah, it was very bleak, wasn't it? And as I think I said in one of the other books, it was like a visceral, like. Uh, way of life in those days you just expected it and as you said uh the violence i mean i got caught up in it a couple of times but i got caught up in it actually as far back in 1969 when i got set upon by man united supporters just outside euston square they were looking for stragglers and they found me and my mates but luckily my mate came to the rescue because he he took his rosette off and stuck it in one of their legs and then we <laughs> There you go. Good, we, good alternative use of a rosette if anybody's listening. We, we we ran for it to Euston Station or something, and we were practically sliding along as, towards the police because, I mean, we were only like little kids, and they must have been like in their late teens, and they, you know, they're very brave. The way some bloke came up to us and said, "I wouldn't go down there if I was you." There's United hanging about, and we thought, you know, the stupidity of like thirteen-year-olds. We said, "Oh, 
you know, sod them or something. So we went down and they were waiting in the doorway and they jumped us <laughs> and everything. One, one of them tried to strangle me with my scarf. <laughs> so, yeah, as you say, it's a, it was a different era. And I say it spilled into the uh, into the 70s, all the way through the 70s. I mean, th- this country was had gone down the toilet, let's be honest. I mean, well, the, winter of discontent, winter, yeah. Oh, that, that was... That was terrible. Going even earlier back, it's about 71, 72. You had all the, the blackouts and the power cuts at night and the telly going off at 10 o'clock and the miners' union, Joe Gormley, holding everyone to ransom and everything. It, and I think there was rationing on the petrol, wasn't there, and it things was. like that. It, 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 was, it was pretty bleak. I mean, I, I remember candles. I mean, I would have been very yeah. I'd have been about seven, but I remember the 72, I think. But I remember... I remember yeah. the power cuts and having to like do everything by candlelight. When you're when you're a kid, it's actually quite exciting, isn't it? You know? Yeah, I, I, I remember like during that time. You said like seventy one, seventy two. I remember it was getting towards ten o'clock, and there was sports night with Coleman was on, and it was coming on. And my dad said, "Why are you torturing yourself? You know it's going to happen. You, you just you know don't torture." I said, "No, let's watch it just in case." And of course, you know, Boom. dead on ten o'clock, bang yeah, yeah, into exactly. the darkness again. Exactly. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to NordVPN.com dot com forward slash Chelsea fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. So uh, yeah, so it was a it was a very interesting time in society. I mean, the other thing, yeah. of course, of this period, which of course I think is, is relevant for Chelsea, is that I mean, I I always I, I always I wasn't there, but I, I've got plenty of mates who were who were always very mm. delighted with the fact that um, the you know the Dam's New Roads, which is arguably one of the first kind of UK punk singles, was advertised yeah. in Chelsea Park. I think it was Chelsea Walls or something. Would have been about seventy yeah. seven. Um, yeah. And of course, a lot of uh, punk affiliations with Chelsea, UK subs, The Clash, uh, yeah. Sex Pistols, of course, all, all had, had Chelsea fans in their ranks. Um, yeah. So that was all going on as well. So there was a real fusion of styles on the terraces, weren't there? You know, punk, skins, you name it. We had a whole thing going down at Chelsea. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, 
I, I mean, I got into the music business around then. I mean, um, I've worked, worked with some of those people that I, I looked up to in those days. Uh, yeah, that was a brilliant time for music as well. I mean, I'm a, it comes across to the book, I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. Um, and I actually worked with his drummer, Pete Thomas, who's fantastic. I worked with him a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was. It all seemed to like uh, just it was the football flowed into the music. I mean, I remember coming out of um, QPR against Chelsea in November 78. I think it was a goalless draw. And Costello was playing at the Dominion uh, just before Christmas. And there was a couple of Chelsea like Herberts in front of me. And I just overheard their conversation. And one of them said, oh, you're going to go and see Costello at the Dominion. He said, yeah. He said, I really like him because he wants to make you kick someone's head in his music. It's got that aggression to it. And I thought, yeah, well, that's exactly why I liked it. Because it was like cutting edge, not like the the dross we've got now with the likes of Ed Sheeran and all that mob. You know, it just... Uh... Well, it was evocative of the time, wasn't it? I yeah, think, you know, it was it, it was loud. It was aggressive. It was it was yeah. it was it was you know there was a political edge to it. It was about change, uh, yeah, and it reflected the violence in society. And I, I mean, football, music, society, I think merged in a in a bizarre. Oh, yeah. Although there, it has to be said, Neil, that in, in football, uh, it, you know, if you, if you look, if you remember things like shoot annuals. Oh, I do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. all of that. You read the interviews of the players; they couldn't have been further removed from that. I mean, this is why I loved Pat because Pat, Pat, you know. Oh, he's got taste. Yeah, well, yeah. He reflected who I was. You know. Yeah. He liked the music, but all the others with their kind of you know perm haircuts, highlighted haircuts, Ford oh, Capri, no. Steak Diane. I'm thinking, <laughs> you're not not my kind of people, really. But there you go. I know, and they always used to put like they like Luther Vandross yep. or somebody like that. Yep. About was well, like, Pat was treated like as though there's something weird because he liked Jesus and the Mary chain yeah, and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, it was, I know. It was, yeah. I, I, I fell more into Pat's uh, way of thinking uh, than uh, to as, some of the others, actually. As as did I. As did I. Yeah. But I, I think I think in a funny old way, what what we're saying is that I mean, this is this comes out in the book brilliantly as well. Is that you've got the football, um, but it but you're on your own journey. I mean, as you said, you were yeah. you were a, a relatively young man, 22 yeah. in 77. So yeah. it's a bit of a rites of passage for you growing up as a young man in London, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, that was when I started. Like I think um, I I started learning the guitar when I was about eighteen. But I think it was around about that time that I started getting interest, like from a few record companies and stuff like that. Uh, mainly because even though like I'm older than you, my main heroes earlier on that were uh, Bowie and Roxy Music. And when punk came along and then it went into new wave, I became a huge Costello fan. And I decided, well, yeah, that's what I want to do. And that's luckily enough. I mean, I, I managed to get signed a few times. I'm, well, I'm still signed now to a French label <laughs> and I'm still doing bits and bobs for them. So so what, you're, you're in a it, band or what? No, I just, I've got a publishing deal right. with them uh, and Atlantic in the States. Um and I do bits and bobs. I mean, yeah, I mean, the age I'm at, we've got our, uh, we've got our own studio in our house, and I still do stuff for them. And we've had number one iTunes singles. We just put stuff out every now and again, and you know, and it it pays the bills and everything. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, we were both in the myself and Trudy, uh, my partner. We were both in the same band together. Uh, you know, when uh, we got signed to. Well, what was the band's name, Neil? It was Pretty Blue Gun. Pretty Blue Gun. And, you yeah, got a blue in there. I like that. 
Yeah, we got uh, we worked with Pat Collier, who produced the Wonder Stuff and all oh, people yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it was Charlie Gillett, really. I don't know if you remember him, the DJ. He was the one that uh, uh, championed my calls for the record companies and everything. And I think you know had a big helping hand towards getting signed. I mean, I, I did not know this, and you and I have talked a few times. I don't know how we've not stumbled yeah. upon this before, because, I, mean, I, 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 yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why I uh, was so... I mean, really, I didn't I didn't really start going to see Chelsea, you know. I mean, I was stuck down in Winchester as, as a kid. Yeah. It wasn't really until I moved up to town in 84. So I yeah. actually missed the 83-4 season. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I was, well, I was, I was, I was 17, 18... No, eight, right. uh, eighteen going on nineteen, but I was still I uh, was down in Winchester, and uh, yeah, it just never, you know, I I didn't grow up with a, a daddy sport Chelsea who believed in going a lot, so I never no. got into that kind of you know old football Saturday, isn't it? We go up there, so for me it was like, why the fuck would I go up to London to watch a football match? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come right, on, yeah. you know. Um, so when I moved to London, it was in in eighty four. I went to university up in up in London, and I happened to live in Chelsea, so. It suddenly, oh, right. suddenly it made an awful lot more sense. So in those kind of intervening years, so like 14 to, to 20, really, when I kind of 19, I suppose, when I moved up, music was my thing. You know, I was just yeah. absolutely madly into music, mainly punk oh, and yeah. new wave. Um, so, you know, I spent my time and, and money on, on gigs. And, uh, and uh, I mean, funnily enough, I'd go up to London for a gig, but, but not a football match. But uh, given given how how we were during the time, it's probably, I probably made the right choice, I suppose. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there, I think there's a massive connection between Chelsea and music. There always has been, oh, yeah. isn't there? Definitely. The number of yeah. artists who, who support Chelsea is staggering, yeah. I think. Yeah, you had the, uh, was it Steve Jones and Paul Cook out yep. of Sex Pistols? I think they were Chelsea, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, they've always had that type of follow. Oh, well, I mean, it's a bit different. Like in the 60s and 70s, you had all the like the, the actors down there as That's well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael, Michael Corbin, I probably wished he never went because Baldwin ran off with his wife, didn't he? <laughs> Tommy Baldwin. That's very true, isn't it? I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 she was running a clothes, I think she ran an antique shop down there. And I, <laughs> Then uh, Mr. Baldwin stepped in, and she uh, <laughs> was one extreme to the other, really, wasn't it? Michael Crawford, Tommy Baldwin, to well, be quite it, honest. It, it, well, quite. I think I think she probably made the right choice. Uh, yeah. Rodney Bewes, of course, talking of actors, of course. JK, yeah. JK's old man, um, which is why he goes there. I mean, he was oh old Sam Kidd, yeah, yeah, Sam Kidd. So yeah, it was. It went from actors, didn't it, in the sixties to musicians in the seventies, eighties, which I think is yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, but uh, you know, as I said, it was a bit of a rites of passage and a, and a journey growing up with you. And I love the way that you fused that in with the book because it's easy to yeah. write a book about about football and just say, well, I went to this match and this happened, and I went to that match yeah. and that happened, and you know, everybody yeah. knows that. But I think what you do really, really well is you, 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 you know, you you personalize it in a very in a very deft way. I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the first book I've, I don't know if you've read that, that Rhapsody in Blue, which is yep. about the 69-70 season. Um, the publishers were a little bit against that uh, style that you've just mentioned. Why? They, Why? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I I put my foot down in the end uh, and said, well, I'm, I'm not writing it then because I, I, sent them, <laughs> I, I sent them three chapters and I, I said, no, this book will work. I said, because I, I'm aiming it at blokes you know, like fellow Chelsea supporters and blokes of my age who can identify that with what it was like growing up 
and it, you know it's a tough time growing up as well i mean you look back on it now and you think oh it's all halcyon days and blue skies but yeah there's a lot of self-doubt and pain i i found you know like in the growing pains and anyway it, it, it turned out well because i think he got nominated for a sports award or something at the first book so i just uh they've never complained since about the style after that no, <laughs> after well, that but like go on go on mate sorry like, like a lot of things, it's like record companies. I've had dealings with them, and, and they've always got their ideas, and it, they're usually like ridiculous. So I, I just thought I'm going to make a stand on this and just say I want to write the book like this and make it personal. Like I said to them, I want it to be like a cider with Rosie, that type of thing. You know, like personalised. I mean, you know, Laurie Lee, who wrote that, he who knew who Laurie Lee was, but because it was so like uh, tender that book and everything, and about the rights of passage. It became a classic. I'm not saying my book was ever do that, but I, that was the lines I wanted to go down. But I think I think I mean you know I I, I don't need any. Uh, I mean I I completely agree basically because yeah that, that the, you're right you, you the reader identifies with what you're writing and 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 the, yeah. and, the, and the reality is is that that Chelsea Football Club are the backdrop to our life. Yeah, and 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 I think that that's and okay sometimes and this is this is so like life isn't it sometimes they take more precedence than other things that are going on in your life yeah sometimes they don't but they're always there and they yeah. form a beautiful narrative arc don't they yeah that's right i mean like, yeah. I, lo- I mean i love the season the season is a wonderful beautiful nine month narrative arc you know yeah and, it's... go on i mean i was um i played trudy this uh song by a group called arrival uh, called friends which was out in 90 the beginning of 1970 and i hadn't heard it for years but i just stumbled across it on youtube and it came up and i showed it to her she said oh yeah it's a great song this i hadn't heard it for years and it was the 29th of the first 1970 and i said well that was a thursday and she said how the hell do you know that i said well top of the pops was always on thursday i said i said and by the way we beat Sunderland 3-1 at home on the on the saturday and we just beaten burnley 3-1 in the cup replay on the Tuesday night when Hausman got those two goals, and, you know, which was a vital game. And she just like looked at me and shook her head, you know, so I say, what is wrong with you? But then again, as you said, that's the arc, isn't it? I relate it back to Chelsea and how they were doing. Yeah, absolutely you know? right. So, um, you know, just to kind of go back to uh, 83, 82, 83. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this is, a, I, I wrote a piece for CFC UK for the, uh, the do on Saturday and uh, yeah. you know I, I i did set the 83 84 season in in context and i was saying that you know it, it arguably could not have been more bleak if you're a chelsea no. supporter you know we we had literally almost gone down to division 3 for the first time in our history so it was the lowest finish yeah. we've ever had in league football yeah if we had gone down we would very much have been out of business oh yeah i think so there was still massive financial uncertainty because bates was fighting all sorts of people property developers you yeah. name it that hadn't yeah. been sorted out yet. So, no. you know, we went into the 83-84 season, I think, with dread. Um, yeah. Did you? Uh, I did, in a way. Uh, I mean, on the opening, I went on the opening day against Derby, uh, which was, uh, was a really like, lovely day and everything like that. But I, I think Derby, as I think I mentioned, but one of the favourites for promotion. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would have taken a draw, to be quite honest. You know, at least like get a point on the board. But I mean, we absolutely just wiped the floor with them, you know. And I couldn't really, really believe what I was, uh, I was watching that day. Um, but it didn't take me long. After a few weeks, uh, 
you know, the cockiness that goes with being a Chelsea supporter and everything and uh, was like flooding back. And it was just like, you, you just knew that you were at the beginning. I think I went to the Brighton game down at, um, what was it, is it the Goldstone ground? Yeah. yeah, I went there and I just thought there was something about this side. And, you know, you, you had Joey Jones doing that clenched fist salute at the end and everything like that. And the players seemed to be like really bonding with the support and everything. And I thought, you know, hope against hope that it was going to turn into something good. And I think by by Christmas, I thought, you know, it was pretty almost definite that we were going to go up. Well, we didn't lose a, a match, did we, after we signed Mickey Thomas in January, which is remarkable. Uh, yeah. A remarkable record that he has. But, uh, I mean, we, you know, we could talk about players all the time, but there, there's one man, I think, you, you say this in the book, actually, and, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, all of this was really down to one man, that was John Neal. And uh, yeah. he needs to really, I think, be recognised hugely as perhaps one of the greatest managers we've had, even though yeah. he didn't really win anything, even though, OK, he won the, the, the Division Two title. But you, you got, I mean, I, this is the other thing, actually, uh, Neil, and, and I no doubt you'll go into this in your next book. But I, I was so I was so delighted that you, that you, in fact, I'm not sure which came first, really. I mean, I saw the title of your book and I thought, brilliant. He's nailed yeah. it. And actually, yeah. my CFC UK piece was on a similar theme. You see, I think that the 83-84 season was exactly, as you said, it was the rebirth yeah. of Chelsea. Without that season, you don't get what we have today. And I know, oh, no. I know everybody also says, oh, no, modern Chelsea really happened because of Glenn Hoddle when he came in the 90s. And I think that's a fair point. But if you yeah. hadn't had this side going up, suddenly, no. and, then, and then doing so well the next season when they finished sixths, and then, yeah. then carrying on in that vein until the stupidly, rele- you know, getting relegated by mistake. This oh, this was the this was the rebirth, the real rebirth of Chelsea, and gave us the Chelsea that we kind of know today as a, as a consequence, isn't it? Yeah, I think it, yeah, definitely. I mean, John Neal, as you say, it's, it's so underrated and everything. But I think for those those of us who were there and lived through those days, we know how much we owe to them. I mean, I've got to admit that when he was appointed, I thought who is John Neal? I mean, I knew he'd been at Middlesbrough and Wrexham and everything like that, but he did it in such a quiet way and everything. Uh, He was a brilliant manager and I think it's a great shame that he had those health problems because I don't think we'd have got relegated in 88. If if it have carried on managing, I think it was a, a step too far well, for John Hollins to take over. I think I I mean we'll never know, will we? But I I, I wouldn't have been surprised if if John Neal had. I mean the irony, of course, is that you know John Neal got ill, didn't he? At the moment yeah. of our greatest triumph in the Grimsby match. Yeah, the heart he had heart problems, That's didn't he? Right. Whatever. That's right. Yeah, and then Hollins got. I mean Hollins, you know, became more involved, but. If yeah. John if John Neal hadn't have gotten it ill, Neil, I I I wouldn't have been surprised if we might have had a tilt at the title because in those days it wasn't yeah. a two it wasn't a two horse race. I mean, if you remember, Liverpool no. were winning it occasionally, Everton were winning it occasionally. You know, Man yeah. United weren't getting anywhere near. Uh, Arsenal were there or thereabouts, but I mean, you know, yeah. it was a much more open field. And you know, the fact that yeah. we finished sixth in our first season back told you what a good side we were and well managed side as well. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the one regret I have of that, I mean, 84, 85, I, I loved that season as well. I mean, I was there on the opening day against Arsenal yeah. with like the 20,000 at the clock end. The only thing that sticks in my core a bit is that we should have won the League Cup that year. My yes. God. Absolutely should have. It, um, after those like epic games against Sheffield Wednesday, I mean, to think we lost to Sunderland uh, and the final was contested between two teams that got relegated yeah. that season. 
And it, it's one thing that, that that's the one that got away. So I think I mentioned it in the book. It's still mm-hmm. that one that niggles at me. I mean, I don't know if you went to that uh, Sunderland semi-final. I mean, it's absolutely... It was horrendous. It was, I know I didn't go, but I know it was It was like an oh, ice rink, yeah. wasn't it? And it was violent and horrible. And we yeah. were like the penalty that was given away. Was it Dale Jasper? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first leg was up then. We lost 2-0. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, as you said, it was like an ice rink. Then in the return game, uh, Mr. Walker returned. That's right. down those. And uh, I remember the, the horses on the pitch as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, the, and the game seems to be going on. I mean, it's typical gallows humour. There were people around me saying that they wouldn't have been surprised if one of the horses had nodded one into the back of our net. Yeah. Like, and it come up on the score sheet, Dobbin, 75 minutes. So it was just <laughs> a, everything that could go wrong in that semi final just went wrong. It and was you, almost. We would have won. We'd have beaten Norwich. Like, no, oh, God no God worries. Say. Yeah. Yeah. We would have beaten them. Yeah. It's just such a shame that wasn't, uh, you know, but after what we've been through, the the previous years finishing six i think two years running was yeah. a really brilliant achievement yeah no absolutely right so there we go so it, it was a remarkable kind of six year seven year period where the club, yeah. club goes to the depths almost yeah. goes out of business uh yeah. it's a shambles and hiring comedy managers like like danny blanchflower and jeff hurst and then oh, some yeah. quiet quiet man from the northeast comes around turns it around and and i think the other the other the other underestimated character in this drama is of course ken bates isn't it uh yeah i, I won't have a word said against him. i mean he you know I, I i to be quite honest i found him hysterical some of the things he used to come out with he was so out there and i don't he, he seemed to embody the spirit of the supporters as well it was us against them yeah. i mean i think he did he did that brilliant brilliantly and as you said you know about john neil without ken bates we wouldn't be talking today i mean you know the way he thought of marler estates and everything he just wanted to uh was i going to build on the ground weren't they was a housing complex i don't know what they were going to do but i thought he was absolutely brilliant i was i saw the images of him there on saturday night because he's 90 now isn't he ken yeah 91 he he was brilliant neil i mean he was still yeah he's frail but his mind's not and he's cantankerous as ever still very funny but i tell you what really shone through having been there was the the uh, the love the players, the love and respect that the players have for him was, yeah. was so yeah. obvious, you know. Yeah. They all called him Mr. Chairman. Uh, oh, they were deferential, yeah. but they were there was a yeah. lot of love there for him. But actually, the other thing was that there was a lot of love for him from the audience, too, from us lot, which oh, is yeah. kind of less surprising in a way. Um, but I yeah. think there was a lot of love coming the other way from him, actually. I think he was very complimentary about us. And what Chelsea, yeah, was, what Chelsea means. It was really very moving, actually. Have you ever read that book, Chelsea My Year, by Ken Bates? I don't the, think I have, actually. Yeah, it it, it was uh, brought out at the end of the 84 season right. in the summer. And it's a, his diary, of, right. a day-to-day diary of that. I've got a copy. I think they're going on uh, eBay and Amazon for quite a lot of money now. Uh, but that, that was fascinating. Well worth a read. I mean, he really, like... He, he, lived and breathed that club during that season, how busy he was setting things up yeah. and fighting legal things. And yeah, I think, I think he was a brilliant chairman. Yeah, he was. All, the, all these who say, oh, he, you know, he wanted to put up electrified fences and things. Well, you know, as far as I look back, he was a character, you know. Well, he put the fence up, but he never turned the electricity on as far as <laughs> no, I remember. No, that's, 
Because <laughs> he wouldn't, he wouldn't right. spend the money on it, would he? No, that's right. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Well, um, I'll look out for that. Sounds like a good read. And in fact, you know, your your book, Rebirth of the Blues, is also a great read, Neil. So well oh, done you. for the third instalment now. Because yeah. as you said, Rhapsody in Blue, Deeper Shade of Blue. Now we've got uh, Rebirth of the Blues. Is there oh. another one in the pipeline? Uh, I think I'm going to take, because I've been writing continually now for like since 2019. Wow. I'm going to take the, the, I, the, an idea I had was to write a book about Ozzy and Hutch's relationship on and off the pitch and my personal memories of the games that they played together. Again, I don't want to do it. You know, I'm going to put in like the personal side as well because uh, I, I don't know. It's a bit weird. It, Hutchinson is my favourite ever Chelsea player. I idolised him mm. as a player. I just thought he was so brave and strong and committed to the cause. And in the, that team that he played in, which was so full of flair, he was almost like a, like a northerner type sent for do you know what i mean yeah, he was yeah. the foil for osgood so i was thinking because they were great mates weren't they on and off the pitch well, I they, think, had a, I think. they had a pub in windsor didn't they they did yeah they mm. i think they ended up having a punch-up didn't they in the car park no one doubt night. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt <laughs> yeah i think they were both a couple of boys and everything weren't they, mm. they so, so I, was, I was thinking about doing something on them because i think that's uh you know they go on uh i mean I, I would put Ozzy and Hutch as my favourite front two. Then I think most probably Dixon and Speedy mm-hmm. after that. And I, I also think one that slips under the radar is Hasselbank and Good Johnson as well. Spot on. Absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Without doubt, the greatest strike partnership we've had since uh, Dixon and Speedy, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I love David Speedy. I thought he was a brilliant player. Yeah. Absolutely, I just loved his attitude and everything. I know he was always getting sent, well, booked or sent off or something, but like that. But I thought he was a great player. He was indeed, and there were many great players of that era. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the other thing, actually, just as as the antidote to that, there were some pretty shit ones as well. And I, 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 <laughs> I, I remember, I remember. Well, this is yeah, but this is the thing. I remember I interviewed Gary Chivers a while back, who yeah. he basically got frozen out by John Neal. Uh, yeah. Obviously, John didn't rate him, and uh, I was talking to Gary, and 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 he freely admitted, yeah, we were rubbish. I know, but he said the thing is, you still kind of loved us, didn't you? And I said, well, we did yeah. actually. And I said, you all, yeah. you, you all put it in for the shirt. I said, minimum requirement, Gary, always. You need yeah. to put it in. If you put it in, we'll forgive you anything. And there was yeah. a real bond and rapport, I think, with the you know the seventy-seven to say yeah. well, eighty-three side, really. We, we, you know, because that's kind of what happens. And I think that's another interesting contrast to today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you just worry about the commitment. I don't, I mean, as I said to you, I don't ever doubt anybody's commitment like uh, Kante. I mean, I think he's a fantastic player. In fact, I put him, I think he was a better player than Makaleli, to be quite honest. Mm. I think Makaleli was, he invented that position, but I think uh, Kante took it another another step on yeah and a more a more unlikely looking football that you couldn't get could you mm-hmm. i mean i think he was turned down by loads of people because yeah. they just thought he was too small but I, I i don't know about you but i hope he stays to be quite honest well i you know so do i because i think you need some characters and some experience in that <coughs> excuse me in that side but i don't think he's i don't think he's really capable of uh putting too many games together for us anymore. no he's not no, no, i don't think the... I'm put, let me put it i'll put it around another way you know, three or four years ago, you build your side around him effectively. Oh yeah, because yeah. He's, he was gen- he's generally the only world class player we have, apart from maybe Silver. You could not yeah. take that risk now because he's just not there. No, anymore. no. And what what do you think about Pochettino taking it? I've got to admit, I'm quite pleased actually. 
I I am actually. I mean, I don't really give a shit about the <clears throat> the whole Spurs thing. I mean, for God's yeah. sake, it's a different world now. But uh, yeah, I I was saying for ages on the show. You know, what we need is we need you know we need a Chelsea manager. You know, somebody who has uh, managed big clubs, managed big players, has got Premier League yeah. experience because managing in the Premier League is like no other. Has got Champions yeah. League experience. He's gone deep into the Champions League and has won yeah. stuff. And he ticks. All of those boxes in yeah, a way, does. in a way that Enrique he doesn't tick all those boxes. No. Nagelsmann he doesn't tick all of those boxes. Oh, no. So for me, no. he was the best one available. I'm not yeah, saying I, he's I, the best manager we could have, but he's the best one available. So I'm really, oh, really, I, really up for it. Yeah, I, d- I mean, as much as I hate to admit it, I mean, he got he got a tune out of Spurs, didn't he? And that really does take some doing, to be quite honest. Well, mate, you know, he and... got him to the Champions League final for God's sake. Oh, no, I mean that. That was a dreadful night. Having to choose between Liverpool and Tottenham, and it was yeah. Liverpool, I'm afraid. It had well, to be. Yeah, totally right, mate. There's no way I could have handled them winning it. Uh, no, because we'd, we'd won the Europa League on the Thursday against Arsenal. That's right. And and I remember saying to Trudy, my partner, I said, you know, brilliant. We've wiped the floor with Arsenal. Now we just need Liverpool to do them on Saturday night. Yeah. And like, I couldn't actually relax because my father-in-law is a, is a Spurs supporter. <laughs> and... Every, and um, I worked out the other day. I've known him 30 years now, my father-in-law, yeah. and he always he's always polite and asks me how Chelsea are getting on. I've, in those 30 years, I've never asked him one question about Tottenham. <laughs> Not one. Brilliant. Because I'm from that school of, like, you know, I was brought up to absolutely, like, can't stand them. But as you said about the Spurs connection with Pochettino, he's a freelancer. Yeah, he'll exactly. Go, yeah, exactly. He'll go. Yeah. It's, just, it's ridiculous to say, oh, he's Tottenham, we can't have him. I just think that's... Pathetic, no, I, well, the other, the other thing is, that I think he, I think his sides play good football. Um, oh, they do, you know, and and he'll get them attacking, and he'll get them pressing, and get them fit, which is what yeah. we need in the modern game. And he'll bring young players through if we haven't sold them all. So yeah, you know, right. I, I mean, look for me, he they've got to give him his head. You know, they've got to yeah. let him do the job. If they if they interfere, then it's just going to go down the drain. It really will. I hope they don't. No, I I must admit. I mean, when Potter was uh, appointed, I just thought that was a disaster from day one. Oh, I just, totally. I, I I just could not believe what I, was. I mean. Right, we'd made a slow start, and we got uh, to the season. I mean, there was that draw against Spurs when Cucurella had his hair pulled out and everything. But I mean, just to sack him after I think it was a Champions League game, yeah, wasn't it? Was it? Grab away. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty. I just thought, what are we doing? I just, I, in fact, my hopes for the season died with that, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, it was a ridiculous decision, and they've made yeah. a few, but there you go. Yeah. Right, Neil, I'm going to wrap this up because I've got, to, okay. I've got to go. But uh, it's an absolutely always, it's always a pleasure speaking to you, actually, and, and it's an even greater, oh, greater pleasure reading your books. This one's a cracker. Oh. Where do people get it from? Should they wish to buy a copy, which I'm sure they will? Oh, well, I think it's from Amazon. I think it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose it's everywhere. It's one is it? Pitch publishing, it's all around the world, isn't it? I mean, they do it in America, and it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, they're good publishers, actually, Pitch. I mean, yeah, I, they I, are. Yeah, I used to work with them when I used to do TV things, funnily enough. But uh, as you said, because it's in Pitch, it'll be out everywhere. So oh, yeah. you don't have to just rely on Amazon. But uh, no doubt no. you can get it off Amazon as well. What, how much is it? Uh, I think it's... twelve ninety nine. I've got it, twelve ninety nine. It's down to eleven seventy five now. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Get it, get it on Amazon. You'll get it cheaper. Yeah. Always do. But do yeah. people out there get this book because it's a really good read. It's not just about that kind of seven eight year period that we're talking about. It's uh, you, if you were around at that time, you can identify with what else was going on and what it was like to be a young man in those days following Chelsea. So, I couldn't recommend yeah. it highly enough. 
Uh, and I would say the same about Neil, because he's a fine man. Neil, lovely having you on the Chelsea Fancast again. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely to speak to you again. Really enjoyed it. Excellent stuff. We'll see you again when you do the next one, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. OK then. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.